Hello, I use Firefox. <laughs> welcome. Uh, hello and welcome back to the Tough Cut Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. I'm Jake. But here, what, one thing, one thing. No one cares about your love for Firefox. I want you to know the two browsers I do use are Chrome and Safari. Anyway, <laughs> as I said, hello and welcome. Uh, we are the Tough Cut Podcast. This is uh, the first episode of our new bracket, Animal Protagonists. Oh, that's why you said Firefox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always thinking. Yeah. So wh- what what on earth is this bracket about? Someone want to take that one? Yeah, we picked in in an attempt to find a lighter uh, selection of movies. We chose something that we thought would overall be less violent. Uh, a bunch of movies where animals are the protagonists. Did that happen for most of them? We'll find out. We'll find, we'll out. find out. Yeah. Big yikes to my pick. My pick in this <laughs> show. Actually, Jake had three picks uh, this time. Did he squander one of them? Perhaps. <laughs> Which, speaking of the picks, um, does someone want to call out what they picked for this bracket? Absolutely. I picked the SpongeBob SquarePants movie uh, directed by Steven Hillenberg, released in 2004. This is the uh, Goofy Goober movie, not the Sponge Out of Water, where he's searching for a magic book. I also picked The Lion King, 1994, directed by Roger Ellers and Rob Minkoff. And I picked uh, The Adventures of Milo and Otis, directed by Masanori Hada and released in the US in 1989. Lovely. For mine, I got three movies getting excited guys uh <laughs> i picked who framed roger rabbit 1988 directed by robert zemeckis fantastic mr fox 2009 directed by wes anderson and the best movie in this bracket guaranteed to win <laughs> guaranteed stunner mouse hunt 1997 directed by the gore verbinski beat that guys love him or hate him he is gore verbinski <laughs> <laughs> is, that his, is that his tagline love or hate him <laughs> <laughs> he is cool. That's what got him the job directing Pirates of the Caribbean. No matter what you say, he is who he is. <laughs> <laughs> that is the energy of that movie. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, I pitched Paddington 2, 2017, uh, directed by Paul King, and Life of Pi, 2012, directed by Ang Lee. But today, uh, episode one of Animal Protagonist Bracket, we have two matchups for you. We've got The Lion King going up against Paddington 2, and we've got the SpongeBob movie going up against the Gore Verbinski's Mouse Hunt. Oh my god, you guys are so fucked. I'm gonna slaughter you. <laughs> uh, just a heads up, we will be spoiling these movies hardcore, so if you don't want spoilers to literally the critically acclaimed Oscar winning Mouse Hunt. That is a false sentence. It did not win an Oscar. It brought, probably won a Razzie. I actually have no idea. Might be critically acclaimed. That I can't speak to. But it might be. It might it be. It will be in this because wait, if a movie wins our bracket, does it become critically acclaimed? Because we're critics uh, and we're acclaiming them? I guess so, by definition. Wow. It's a big cool. honor. Uh, but yeah, big spoilers. Uh, we will be spoiling these movies. Please watch them. If you don't want it spoiled, blah, blah, blah. I just I just Googled uh, or I looked at the Wikipedia for Mouse Hunt to see if it had won any uh, awards. Fun fact, it does not seem like it did. Also, uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two stars, calling it, quote, not very funny and maybe couldn't have been very funny no matter what, because the pieces for comedy are not in place. Why are we shitting on my movie before the comparison? When have we ever listened to Roger Ebert? <laughs> Like, when is anyone given a shit what he says? <laughs> I He actually, he has one of my favorite quotes in, like, movies, but that's it. Cinema is a machine for empathy. Oh, but that's, yeah, that's, that that's, like, that's a nice little... We should loop. get him on the show. 
Uh, if anyone knows his publicist, uh, get him, get him in touch. Is he dead? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, he's alive. He's probably reviewing the next Martin Scorsese thing. Just kidding. Actually, I take back a lot. You know, Scorsese said some good points recently. I take back my hate in the previous bracket. I'm sure we'll have Scorsese movies that will be a time for you to to, to voice <laughs> to that. really voice that. I just felt like I needed to now because I've been like conflicted this whole time. With that, I guess let's jump right into it. Uh, as Alex said, our first matchup here is. Paddington 2 versus the Lion King. Alex, do you want to introduce the Lion King? Yeah, I could do that. For anyone who hasn't seen it, The Lion King is a classic Disney movie uh, directed by Allers and Minkoff, released in 1994, uh, where lions reenact Hamlet. The king is dead and Simba has to decide if he will uh, shirk his duties and veg out as a recluse uh, in the jungle or rise to power and take the throne in order to save his kingdom. The way you said reenact Hamlet, I really like the idea of imagining that they are actors and that this is all a stage production of Hamlet being done by lions which i think would be very fun you laugh and Um, you jest but they did have a live musical and they did do that atrocious quote-unquote live action (laughs) lion king it was it was fine with ps2 graphics (laughs) and um a very famous cast that was highly miscast Um, just put beyonce in anything people will watch it yeah, probably. I'd watch it. I love Beyonce. Was I don't think she cool. should Anyway, done this. the 1994 <laughs> Lion King. I picked this movie because uh, I've always loved it and I watched the new one with the photorealistic graphics recently and was so disappointed and it made me want to watch this one again and so I put it in a bracket. Wow. Uh, what did you guys think? I just love his. I, and so I put it in a bracket. It wasn't that the same energy as Home Alone 2. It's like, I watched it recently. <laughs> it was the holidays. So I put it in the bracket. I think I take my picks far less seriously than you guys do. I picked Mouse Hunt. <laughs> It turns out the guy who didn't study film is the cinephile of the three of us. <laughs> Weird how that works. Hey, okay. Mousehead is objectively one of the best movies. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. All We're right. talking about Lion King. 1994 Lion King. And I did enjoy Mouse Hunt, Jake. Spoilers. Spoilers for the for, spoilers for the second half of this episode. Matt like Matt likes Mouse Hunt. Oh, God, you know. Ro- Roger, Roger E. Bear does it. <laughs> We know 20 minutes early or something I was going to say anyway. As far as Lion King goes, uh, I had a lot of fun rewatching this. I do rewatch it semi-frequently, probably at least once a year, just because I know a lot of people that really love this movie. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It was pleasant. I do think, weirdly, I took far fewer notes on this movie than a lot of other ones just because I was just like hanging out vibing with it. <laughs> also, because I'm just like so super familiar with all of it, uh, which is just kind of interesting. That's so funny you say that. Uh, my impressions were literally the same thing. I watched this with my niece and nephew actually that was my Aww. rewatch and they're, they're very tiny Cute. they're like i don't know their ages two and one three and two three and one they're young um <laughs> uncle of the year <laughs> they love me i promise <laughs> and so i watched it with it but yeah i actually took it wasn't just because they were like running around and being crazy but also but yeah, it, I took less loads because, like you said, I've seen it so many times. I feel like most people have seen The Lion King so many times. I I, I believe that. Probably a generational thing. The new kids, they've got the, the Lion King 20, 2019. Yeah. The new kids, give them Paddington 2 instead of... <laughs> give them Padding, Paddington 2. That's what Paul King said because it's phenomenal. Such a fantastic and heartwarming movie. But what the heck is it about? All right. <laughs> this has become a very strange transition <laughs> that I might cut up relentlessly. Paddington 2 follows the high 
highly lovable, the oh-so-cute marmalade aficionado, Paddington Brown, as he now lives in London with the Brown family. He takes on a series of odd jobs in uh, an attempt to buy his great-aunt Lucy the oh-so-bestest present. Um, However, disaster strikes when the gift is snatched by the dastardly and very handsome Phoenix Buchanan, an out-of-work actor played by Hugh Grant. Paddington is framed, and the Brown family must prove his innocence and catch the culprit. And Paddington adjusts to life in prison during all of that. <laughs> if you have no idea what Paddington is about, it, it, it is about a tiny bear. He's literally so cute and he does go to prison in this movie. It's awesome. <laughs> I think the description, the description for this episode should just be Paddington adjusts to prison. <laughs> uh, as far as why I picked this movie, I mean, really what it comes down to is I think it is just such a fantastic film. It has like frequently people write off children's movies as like, oh, it's for kids. So like you can like dumb them down or like not put as much effort in. I think we've talked about it with other movies before. Um, And I think that's something very much at play here. It's just so pleasant. It's so fantastic to watch. Um, And also, I have just a very deep love for Paddington um, in my heart of hearts as I'm familiar with the books because I had them as a child. Do you guys have any? I can throw yeah. my thoughts out there. Go for it. Yeah, I I have no familiarity with Paddington. I didn't read the books at all as a child and I never saw these in the theaters. I never saw them recently. This is the first time I have seen any Paddington content and oh man, I was charmed the hell out by that bear. He's so freaking cute and charming and so lovable. And I can just imagine having a little Paddington stuffed bear that I would sleep with every night because I was a stuffed animals kid. Yeah, I I loved this movie. It was so much fun. So cute. Part of the the real life lore for anyone who knows me in person and knows that bears are one of my favorite animals. It's Paddington and Corduroy. Are yeah. definitely oh instrumental God. in why that's Love the case. <laughs> I did not put that together. <laughs> I also loved corduroy. I had a corduroy bear. Isn't it so He's funny awesome. how so in our last episode of Sequel Showdown, which check it out if you haven't, but uh quote Alex said, fuck that bear. I don't care about that bear. <laughs> <laughs> I rescind my statement. It's a wonderful bear and I love him. <laughs> How'd you, how'd you feel about this one, Jake? Yeah, I, I also loved, I, I had the padded team books as a kid. Well, I didn't have them. I would steal them from libraries anyway, but <laughs> I did, I did love like the Paddington books. And I just want to mention one thing that blew my mind watching it now for some reason. I love how they marketed this film as from the producers of Harry Potter. At first I was like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny, whatever. But here's the thing in this movie, all of a sudden Michael Gambon pops up. He's fucking Dumbledore. And then I, literally during the movie, I was like, wait, holy shit, that's Umbridge. Wait, that's Molly Weasley. Wait, that's Professor (laughs) Slughorn. That's Mad-Eye Moody was the main... uh Yeah. I saw that too. It's literally Harry Potter. It's in the Harry Potter universe. That's fucking wild. It literally was just, they grabbed all the Harry Potter actors and they're like, hey, this uh, is- who doesn't have shit to do? Want to make a bear movie? And they did that. Paddington 2 is in the Harry Potter universe, except Paddington uh, Brown is a muggle, so he doesn't understand the magic that is going on around him. Well, that's what that's what it makes sense when you think about it, because why are people being so fucking nonchalant about this bear working, doing all this thing? Literally, like, during the uh, parade, whatever, introducing Hugh Grant scene. Uh, they're like, oh, pick me, pick me. And then Hugh Grant was like, oh, a, a bear. Come up on stage. No one would fucking do that unless you're a wizard. Like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the wizarding world of Paddington Brown. Holy shit. Like, Honestly, this blew my mind. I, I, I would watch Paddington take on the wizarding world. 
I would too. I think Paddington would. Paddington could defeat uh, Voldemort with just his cuteness, with just his life advice from Aunt Lucy and some marmalade. <laughs> There's probably a Snyder cut out there of Paddington. In the <laughs> Snyder cut of Paddington too. All right. Well, we're now 15 minutes in, and we haven't even started comparing our movies. I I can start us off because in your description, I came to a sudden realization that both of these movies are, I think, interesting in the fact that they both have two very strong acts like, you know, which I didn't think of until just now of like, obviously, the Lion King has multiple acts because it's based off of Hamlet. So you have like the before he is exiled and then the exile and then the return. But Paddington has the beginning where he's trying to make money, second half where he's exiled to prison and then the escape and return, right? Right. Which I think is so fascinating as a structure to Paddington. <laughs> Did just everyone steal from Shakespeare? Is that what you're saying? Is that <laughs> I think everyone British people. Does. British, British people. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Like the also, I mean, a good comparison is they both have source material, uh, which yeah, I think is absolutely. really interesting. I think it's interesting, but they're also used in different ways where, oh, yeah, like Lion King is a much more it's, you know, a, a direct I did air quotes, but none of you can see those um, <laughs> adaptation of Hamlet, obviously lions, um, but, you know, fits into that framework. Whereas like the Paddington movies are based on the character of Paddington, but they're not like direct adaptations of the stories. Well, so a note on that, because I have read any Paddington books. Also, just a fun side note. Um, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Who voices adult Simba? What's his name? Uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick joined the Lion King because he thought it was a U.S. adaptation of a Japanese manga. <laughs> like of, of like Kimba the White Lion? Yeah, he thought that's it was an adaptation of Kimba the White Lion and that's, that's why he joined insane. it. Wow. <laughs> Also yes. amazing so that, that Matthew just knew that shit right away. Oh, you talking about Kim <laughs> with the White Line? Yeah, no, I love that shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, So that's a fun fact. Fun fact. If there's anyone out there that thinks that the Lion King is in any way stealing from Kimba, that is just not true. There are like thousands upon thousands of hours of Kimba material. So you can fit every scene if you wanted to. Nature of the beast. (laughs) Nature of the beast. Anyway, have you actually talked about it on hand? I was reading about it. Have you invested all those hours into have you? (laughs) No, I have not. Anyway, let's get we are. (laughs) We are so off topic today. (laughs) Um, Watching Paddington 2, there were a lot of little moments that seemed like little vignettes that I couldn't tell because I don't know the source material. But I was wondering if like a lot of the moments in it were taken from those books or if they are completely original. They're inspired in the style of the books rather than like just directly adapted. There are like, you know, elements of you like he gets his name from Paddington Station like that comes directly from the books that occurs in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. But most pretty much all the second movie our British listeners out there. We know you're there. Yeah. Uh, correct us if we're wrong, because um, I haven't read <laughs> the entire collection of Paddington books. Um, but I believe the second movie is pretty much all original. Yeah. Um, I mean, most it has of those the same like energy. Well. Like it's so weird. Yeah. It having the same like aesthetic and energy, even though it also borrows a lot from Wes Anderson, which we can get into later. Um, yes, for sure. It, Paddington 2 through and through actually I think both of these movies like through and through are very much a labor of love from the people that created them for sure Um, they true it seems that they truly cared about what they were creating um, which is just really fantastic to see and I you know I personally it resonates a lot with me with Paddington 2 like I it seems that people just had fun making it and that they wanted to craft something truly brilliant Um, 
yeah, it's such a delight, such a delight. Yeah, well, it. I think it's funny that that's the case for The Lion King, though, because I agree that you totally feel it. But Disney, um, like in the production of Lion King, put their B team on it because mm-hmm. they wanted to being, focus their efforts on Pocahontas, so which was cool. sent to the Lion King gulag. <laughs> yeah, like the Lion King and also the uh, producer of The Lion King. I don't know the guy's name, but the um, one of the lead producers on it, uh, it was his last movie before uh, leaving Disney and starting up DreamWorks. Uh, wasn't it Schumacher? Wasn't he the DreamWorks guy? Could have been. It I was Gore Verbinski anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like Disney's quote unquote, I'm also doing air quotes, but you can't see them because we are in audio format. Uh, it was Disney's B team that created The Lion King, and it is just an astounding movie. Way better than Pocahontas. <laughs> I hate Pocahontas. It's a, well, maybe we'll get to it on the show. Very problematic. <laughs> I, it's so it's also bad. I don't know, man. A, a, a direct comparison I want to talk about because I think it's something really interesting because um, pretty much everything we've talked about thus far has been like, wow, both these movies just do this so well. It's another thing both do very well, but in different ways um, is I think how they handle their villains. I mm. think yeah. um, Phoenix Buchanan and Scar are just both so much fun to watch on screen, but they function and act so very differently. Yeah. Um, So I just want to see if you guys have any thoughts on the subject. My thought about it actually was that they act not like they act differently, like clearly, but they act similarly where it feels Phoenix Buchanan. I I, I want to call him Hugh Grant just because I call him Hugh Grant. That's the, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't like get his name really watching it. I was like, that's Hugh Grant. Um, <laughs> I had the same thought. Hugh yeah. Grant in a costume having fun, pretending to be an actor <laughs> on, on that live, though. Um, <laughs> Hugh Grant was a man of the theater. He did theater stuff. And if Lion King is based on Hamlet, like Scar felt like a very play villain, like, a, like on the stage. So I thought they both like camped it up when they needed to. And like this weird like, whoa, sort of I'm doing a, a whole performance. I'm basically stripping. You guys can't see. It's an audio. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I've oh seen my God, Jake, Jake naked before. But like he's pretty he's close never gotten to full visceral. on naked. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I need to put the marmalade away. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I think I think that's a, a great point. I think Scar as a villain is very melodramatic, which is so fun in a animated uh, medium because they can like go so far with it. Uh, and Jeremy Irons does such a good job voicing Scar. Um, I don't know if you guys know this during the Be Prepared song. He actually blew out his voice because he was going so hard uh in that like final the like final building moment of it before the climax finale of the song wow uh, and they had to like stop production for days because his voice was shot uh he also reportedly like because his voice was so raspy he would like bring a bunch of cigarettes into the recording studio and just smoke to get his voice at the right <laughs> level of raspiness <laughs> That's what got him snack Zack Snyder's attention to be cast as Alfred. (laughs) (laughs) The Snyder cut. This whole thing is just an advertisement for our big Snyder cut announcement. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what that is yet, but there'll probably be something. Be on the lookout for it uh, at Tough Cut Pod. (laughs) (laughs) Always be plugging. Always be plugging. That's our motto. Sorry, what's our Gmail? What's our Gmail again? Uh, (laughs) ToughCutPod at gmail.com. All right, cool. you are Roger Ebert's publicist, if you're Gore Verbinski's publicist, if you're a representative from uh, Canada Dry, I think, uh, yeah, the list yeah, grows. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think in terms of other things in these movies, obviously that villain comparison, that's something I hadn't thought about that element of like playing the angle of the stage. But that's definitely really present in both characters. Um, And I think like a really cool um, (laughs) another line you can sort of draw between them. Yeah, I don't know. I think something that's that's really cool to see is when older actors who are so famous and have done like everything that they ever could have dreamed of just have fun in like any role. I think this is totally off topic, but like in the Mamma Mia movies, those actors are just having the absolute best time and you can tell. And I think like Hugh Grant in Paddington 2 is having a great time, uh, which I think is just so fun to watch. I actually really like that, too. I like it when actors just like throw everything out like like Jason Siegel in, in The Muppets. Yeah. I I think I think this comparison takes the cake for the number of times we've talked about movies unrelated <laughs> to all this right. pairing. All right, all right, all right. Wow, wow, we're all over the place. I have a comparison that's important Please, to me because I, I have think. no idea what I'm voting for. Yeah, I actually do. So this is animal protagonist, right? So me going into it, like, yeah, we can analyze what we feel is the better movie, whatever. But I'm actually looking for me personally. Everyone has their own personal how they're voting for mm-hmm. the animal, like for the protagonist and for their art. Paddington's arc is really interesting, you know, him like this aggressively wholesome character becoming a (laughs) criminal, going to jail, (laughs) coping with prison. But here's the thing. The world didn't change him. He changed the world. That's the whole theme of Paddington and Paddington 2. Like, it's beautiful. Like, he's literally the most genuine force of nature that literally jail could not bring him down. And he can make the hardest of souls uh, cry. Even Hugh Grant didn't get a bad ending. You know, he he got to do his He musical, thrived in prison. Which is, <laughs> I feel like actual Hugh Grant would. <laughs> but he thrived in prison because of what Paddington turned prison into. He changed the world. Um, while I I think Simba as a protagonist, it's interesting because you have kid Simba and then adult Simba. I, I don't know. I think Simba is okay as a protagonist. I think like, you know, he has an arc, he goes away and then he comes back. But I don't know. I just don't really, I don't really feel invested in Simba. I think the whole story is fun. I really like Lion King, the songs, everything. But I just don't feel like he has a strong arc or a strong um, character <laughs> that makes me be like, I love Simba. Where Paddington's like, <laughs> I love Paddington. You know, I, I would commit war crime for Paddington. I, 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 I would die commit. for Paddington. Yeah. <laughs> I would kill for Simba, maybe. I, I would, I would, I would kill for Simba, but I would die. (laughs) Which I think is interesting when you look at fascism in The Lion King. Like, (laughs) would you kill for Simba because Simba is your king, but you would die for Paddington because you love Paddington? Um, In relation to that kind of uh, how they act as protagonists, what it means to be an animal protagonist. Something I was kind of thinking about, um, and I'm not sure how I feel about it at this point, but there is a ton of anthropomorphizing that happens when animals are the protagonist of something. Yeah. And obviously, you know, um, that is the case very much for both of these movies. Um, I don't know if you can really say that in either of these, these animals are truly, you know, like animals. Animals. Um, They're basically just people and animal skins, which I think is like an interesting thing that I like kind of want to think about as we run through this bracket. Obviously. Well. Go ahead. I think I think an important note on that, though, is we got the Lion King where Simba is 
a full lion and it sucks. Yeah, that's right? true. So, mm. I mean, I think we also have to consider like being more an animal isn't a good thing. Um, let, let's let's not go too deep. <laughs> Alex makes discourse. a subtle nod as he thinks visually, about mouse visually. Visually. <laughs> Let's not too, get too deep into this discourse. I feel uncomfortable with it. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's sort of an interesting conversation um, to have with the two movies. I do think I agree with Jake a little bit, mostly more on the grounds of how lovable and how sort of magnetic Paddington is is as a character than um, not enjoying or tracking Simba's arc in the same way. I definitely agree, I think, with Jake in, and you in that Paddington is more lovable. And I think the issue with Simba is that uh, we just because there are or there are like big time jumps in the Lion King, we don't get the we don't get the quality character development of a concise story of like turning moments that lead directly, you know, and while like young Simba singing, I just can't wait to be king is charming as hell. And the transformation in Hakuna Matata or in. Yeah, yeah Hakuna that's a Matata great scene. I is like really fun. And like, it's a great scene. I feel like it actually ends up detracting from the character as a whole. That's a, I think Although, a really good point. Simba's Simba's, Simba's luscious locks. Love them. I mean, so well animated. Yeah, it, it wins Nala over. Something I I do want to throw out to talk about this moving in a little bit different direction, but just something I think needs to be called out is like the actual writing in these two movies. I think like I want to talk writing and art mostly because you brought up the um, influences of Wes Anderson, especially visually in Paddington 2. Both of these are visually stellar movies. Backseat down for just a half second here. But I think that writing wise, I do think there's a very apparent edge, at least in my opinion, with Paddington. There is, you know, they're both very tight stories, very well written. But Paddington has so many very, very like nice and tight, like set up payoffs. Funny lines, dude. Fantastic writing on like little jokes. It is a spectacularly written movie um, in terms of like how its bones fit together. But then how when you fill that meat with the jokes? Yeah, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> I love Paddington's meat. <laughs> never, no, please never leave his meat inside. Again. Leave his meat never, inside. <laughs> never say that shit again. Um, like this is literally like Grand Budapest Hotel had a spinoff series with a uh, Saoirse Ronan's character. Like that's literally what it is. And she befriended a bear. Um, but one of my favorite lines for some reason was in the trade where that lawyer is like uh, they come up to the lawyer they're like would you like champagne and then he's like mm, yes we are civilized I suppose we're civilized yeah mm, civilized and they just say civilized <laughs> over and over <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny it like it's so good I will say I just think- a quick oh go for it go actually. for it no go for it go for it I do think that the liking as actually I I, I want to say mine after your point, because I think yours is more directly related. I actually I have a pretty directly related. note. Yeah, go for it. I think I agree that Paddington is really, really good and has great meat. But I also think that in The Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa are such great comedy and That's they're so true. well written as characters. And the the issue is that they don't come in until halfway through the movie. But I think they are fantastic. I actually characters. I think I agree with that. Something I just realized because you sort of laid on the three-act structure of Hamlet in a much more direct way than um, I've ever thought about in terms of The Lion King. Are Timon and Pumbaa, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern? Yeah. Uh, does that mean also, the <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa, didn't they have like a little spinoff? Is that just Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern uh, are dead. Yeah, is that just what that is? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty fun. 
It's very fun. <laughs> no idea if that's what the spinoff Lion King movie is actually based on in any way, but I kind of feel like I need to. I, I probably watched it was what three and a half or something. I watched it when I was a kid. I don't remember it's one any and of a it. half. It's very. I good. could have picked Lion King one and a half instead of this, and it actually probably would have been a much better. I actually, I agree on that. Also, a comparison we're not talking about, or just a note we're not talking about. Nathan Lane is in this movie, and oh guess what God. other movie he's in. <laughs> We are. We have not gotten to Mouse Hunt yet. Okay, backseat that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just so excited. Artistry, though, was that a point you wanted to make, Jake? We should we should vote very soon here. For me, uh, the artistry, like I really think for animal protagonists, if Simba stayed as a kid more, then it might be a closer like edge for me. I think the first half of it um, is much more exciting. There there are a bunch of like good halves of um, like Timon and Pumbaa really save the movie for me. Fun wise uh during the second half but i think kid simba is a met, a much better versus as a protagonist to paddington 2 than adults i just don't care for adult simba he's boring well i think the problem is that the lion king forces like the plot of hamlet into the second half of a movie and most of hamlet is hamlet brooding <laughs> sad <laughs> contemplating suicide which they couldn't do in The Lion King. So it was just no a sad lion for half a movie, <laughs> which is really tough to make entertaining and fun. Very true. <laughs> but um, I think we are really pushing time. So I'm ready to vote if you guys are. I think I am yeah, ready to vote. There are probably more beautiful conversations we could have had. Both fantastic movies. And what I feel like could have been a finals matchup. You know, both great contenders. Yeah, both both great contenders. Sorry, Matthew, lick my dick. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so out of context <laughs> yeah it'll be just be like are you guys ready to vote hey matthew lick, lick my, my dick, dick. <laughs> all right okay so anyway um i think i'll go first because i think i made my point pretty clear with kind of my end statement there uh i'm going with paddington too i think it's the protagonist is so fun paddington is so fun and there's a lot of artistry in this movie that kept me engaged the whole time so paddington too matt I think to no one's surprise with how I've talked about the movie thus far, I am voting for Paddington 2. And that makes it three all around <gasps> Paddington 2. Wow. wow. All three of us. All th- is this our first unanimous yeah, vote? I think so. It definitely is. Paddington 2. It deserves it. It's a fantastic it's a, movie. It's a great movie. It's a great I movie. I can't wait for us to be unanimous about the next one, too. And, yeah. <laughs> So I guess jumping into the second half of the bracket, Roger Ebert's not here, so we don't have to worry about his opinions. <laughs> We've got Mouse Hunt and SpongeBob. <laughs> Alex, do you want to introduce the SpongeBob SquarePants movie? Yeah, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie directed by Steven Hillenburg, uh, released in 2004. Uh, it follows children's favorite sponge as he um, makes the perilous journey to get the crown, save the town of Bikini Bottom, as well as Mr. Krabs from the wrath of King Neptune at the stubby little paws of the villain Plankton. I picked this movie because I just have great fond memories of it. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I should have picked different movies because looking at my honorable mentions list as it's stacking up, hey, there are some great, great movies that I could have picked, but I picked this one. And honestly, I had a really good time watching it back. It was a lot funnier. Like the jokes hold up a lot more than I remember it. And uh, I I have really great. Yeah, 
I just had a great time watching this movie. What did you guys think? I also think that you were also worried because you saw that it was going up against Mouse Hunt and you were like, oh, damn, that's a waste <laughs> of a movie. No, um, uh, I really like Spongebob movie. I literally watched it last on our list because, you know, we have our list ahead of time. So we watch them fresh. I watched it last night because... I wanted it to be the last movie I watched just because I have such fond memories with it. And it was so fun. I, I vividly remember the video game. That's the biggest thing <gasps> for me. The game, it was for me, GameCube. I don't know if it was on other platforms, but it's like an actually phenomenal, really video good game. game. I never played it actually. You would actually love which it. I think is funny because I'm, I'm probably the GameCube nerd yeah. of all of us, the Nintendo. Boy. You would literally love it. It's so good. It's, I just loved it, and it reminded me about a bunch about that. I love this movie. Yeah. So I'll hop in um, with my initial impressions. Two things. One, um, I think to the point both these guys have echoed. The jokes do hold up way better than I ever would have thought they did. Like I went into this expecting like oh yeah it's gonna be a spongebob movie like you know old spongebob was like pretty funny i found memories as a kid but there's no way it's like genuinely funny <laughs> you were thinking uh, of sponge out of water <laughs> i i haven't watched any of the new ones some of the new ones are supposedly decent uh pretty good um which was wow that was such a pleasant surprise uh it was really good secondly this is a note to all you viewers before you hop back into this movie if you haven't seen it in a long time if you are allergic to thick juicy ass stay far <laughs> far away from the like first 15 minutes of this movie because there's some juicy cheeks spongebob and patrick double cheeked up stay away from this whole movie um <laughs> like they had so much fun with the animation of this movie but their favorite joke to to animate was uh, shots from behind Spongebob and Patrick where they show their cheeks and it like highly defined and it's really really funny to see every single time <laughs> they're real thick they're can real we just thick. get a loop of Matthew be like double cheeked up on <laughs> damn um, Paddington's meat Spongebob's juicy ass what an episode what this are is we turning out you guys we can't Mouse keep doing hunt. this bring it home Jake, Jake. yeah guys <laughs> All right. I know what you've all been waiting for. You've been watching. You've been listening to this podcast. You're like, oh, finally, the new the new bracket. I'm so excited. Oh, wait, what's that movie? What's coming up? Mouse Hunt? I, vag I vaguely remember that movie. Did I watch it in class in a VCR once for a day when my teacher was hungover? Maybe. Or did I just randomly flick it on when I faked being sick as a kid? Maybe. It has nostalgia. It has purpose. And guess what? That's my pick. Mouse Hunt, 1997, directed by the Gore Verbinski of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. This kick starts the illustrious career of Gore Verbinski with a story of two brothers trying to sell their late father's mansion to make it big. Little do they know the mansion is home to the most vengeful mouse in the history of mouseitude. Blood will be spilt. Literally. Don't you, don't you want to watch that? <laughs> you want to watch that movie? <laughs> Also, a man's wife leaves him in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so if you're allergic <laughs> to divorce. I think you're I think you are cutting out, in my opinion, the best part of the movie, which is Christopher Walking <laughs> showing up as the exterminator. And he's in the movie for like 20 minutes. And his part is so wild oh, and is so funny. It's literally his I, best I role. enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed this movie so much more than I ever thought that I would. <laughs> uh, I have never seen it before. So Jake's claims of nostalgia are a swing and a miss for me. But oh my God, I, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. 
Yeah. So I when we were like finalizing this bracket, setting it up, um, Jake pitched Mouse Hunt and we were like talking about it. Like he's like, I don't really remember it, but like I, I'm throwing it on there a wild card. And I'm like, I feel like I really <laughs> remember watching this movie in class when I was a kid. Like I like really remember it. Um, and then I'm watching the movie. And I'm like, wow, there's these are some like pretty adult themes kind of running in the background here. I'm not so sure. And then <laughs> out of uh relatively nowhere um <laughs> a, 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 a man who's believed he's come into serious wealth his wife ambushes him drops her robe and she's dressed in very skimpy lingerie and i'm like oh there's no chance i watched this as a child in class i swear to god i did i don't know where i've seen this movie before this is when pg ratings were like very loose this was like the age of like uh yeah your parent is there smoking a cigarette on break they're kind of watching you watch this movie the wildness that is mouse hunt aside how about we hop into <laughs> comparing these two sure i can start <laughs> do you guys remember the line in mouse hunt when they're getting the mean cat <laughs> and they just go that's one mean pussy <laughs> I literally I'm looking at my notes and I just have like trap between things just in in quotes one mean pussy. So yeah, I thought That's what I, I thought it was significant enough to write down. <laughs> also, this is just like a side note on Mouse Hunt. There is a lot of like communist subtext of like the workers seizing the means of the production that <laughs> runs through this movie. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> this is the most I've laughed in so long. I can't. <laughs> oh, At God. one point, Nathan Lane uh, is talking about the mouse and he says, he's Hitler with a tail. Nostradamus <laughs> didn't see this thing coming, which I think is just so, so funny. You remember, oh, you remember when she was seducing him and then the painting of his father changed to look at them? <laughs> It wants to get a, get a look there. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I, I, I need to, okay, I need to defend myself a little bit. Um, okay, yeah, after we've just laughed our ass <laughs> off that mouse hunt for, for five I needed, minutes. I need to defend myself a little bit because one, it should win because we've laughed harder than we've ever laughed before in our lives. But two, I know you're watching this and if you have seen Mouse Hunt, you're like, is the mouse the protagonist? Here's the thing, guys. One, a spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. When I picked this movie, I just had a vague feeling. I just had something, something in the world. This zeitgeist was like, you gotta pick Mouse Hunt, even though you don't remember a sting about the movie, except for that mouse does some shit. And so I really thought, watching this movie, or when I picked it, that the mouse was the protagonist. And when I was watching it, as it was going on, I literally was texting these guys like, um, the mouse should be the protagonist, though, right? Like, should. And I really, really believe at the end of the movie, the mouse should have been and is in a the like lens, like a critical lens, the protagonist of the movie. What, what I will say is that through a, a certain framing <laughs> of Mouse Hunt, um, the our, our two wonderful, wonderful leading men, um, uh, Ernestin and um, <laughs> the brothers. Yeah. La Lars and Ernest, Lars and Ernie and Nathan, uh, Nathan Lane. Lane and uh or is Nathan Lars and Ernest? Yes, Nathan Lane and, and Lee um, Evans. And Lee Evans. Yes. I do think through a certain lens, they can definitely be set up as sort of the antagonist to the mouse just defending his homestead. You know, this is sort of like a, a home alone where the mouse is home alone. Yes. And, and uh, Nathan Lane and, and Lee Evans are the sticky bandits. 
So like, I kind of see that perspective. However, the mouse is first seen 20 minutes into the movie. I wrote that down 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, in. But who's who's seen on the poster? Who's seen on the poster? You have Nathan Lane, powerhouse Nathan Lane, who's been in a lot of movies, Star Power. Also, and yet you put a mouse on the poster of Mouse Hunt. Yeah, I guess. Anyway. Doesn't the poster of Mouse Hunt show the mouse in a chef's hat? So doesn't the poster like <laughs> spoil the ending of the movie where the chef becomes a taste tester? What's up with that? Um, I'm calling this mouse okay. gate. Uh, this mouse here. never should have been. Uh, <laughs> this this movie never should have been included in these brackets, and I think it's a shame. And uh, we should be disgusted that we continued Whoa. on like this. Um, <laughs> Whoa! But here, uh, here, here's my thing. I want to no, 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 no. throw out there my my biggest problem with this movie is that they never gave a reason that the mouse was such a jerk. Like I get that they were moving into the house, but they never gave a reason for why the mouse was so intelligent and. So Kevin McAllister, um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And like, maybe if they'd Do done they a Detective Kevin Pikachu McAllister and had the mouse, fucking- ha- maybe if they'd done a Detective Pikachu and actually had the mouse be their dad, I would have been like, hell yeah, fuck yeah, this mouse rocks. Do we just but, spoil uh, Detective I just can't Pikachu? Get behind it. <laughs> yeah, spoiler warning, Detective <laughs> Pikachu, <laughs> the electric, the, the shocking mouse is Tim's dad. <laughs> so I believe that. One, you don't need a fucking origin story for this mouse for it to be a protagonist. Kevin McAllister (laughs) in Home Alone did not get an origin story where he got the super soldier serum. Like, whatever. Um, Did not happen. But you see glimpses of the mouse's life that it's built. It's really a story, one, about uh, white invasion. It's about gentrification. Um, You know? Yeah, into a million dollar mansion. These white people are trying to chase someone out, chase someone out of their native land out. That's fucked up. And you see... In Retribution, the mouse destroys his own land. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well... So no one can have it. Slash and burn. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The white people destroyed the land from retaliation. It wasn't the mouse. It was them. They 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 flooded the the hose in. Yeah, you're right. They do flood the house. Yeah, It's their own doing. If you analyze this from that lens... There is there is a communist like critical race lens to view mouse hunt and someone's (laughs) going to great write a great dissertation about it. I I would literally go (laughs) go back to college. I would put myself in debt to write a dissertation about how mouse hunt is (laughs) a fantastic and superior (laughs) film to all film. Um, Well, we we have spent 20 minutes talking about mouse hunt. You right. have not compared it to SpongeBob <laughs> at all yet. I mean, so, SpongeBob's about animals, so I'm I'm kind of ready to vote. Honestly, I, <laughs> I think I, we've got some good conversation. <laughs> SpongeBob is about animals, and Mouse Hunt is not. Uh, I'm ready. We need to compare these movies. <laughs> Guys, guys I, mean, I, I feel like I'm pleading on I'm pleading on deaf ears. I, 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 we like, have laughed okay, so, so Jake, hard. Now, Imagine if Mouse Hunt of Jake, Jake, now you know how I've felt talk, talking about the Dark Knight through an entire bracket pleading on deaf ears. Wow. Well, so what I will say, um, I like kind of understand Jake's perspective a little bit. Like I can see a reading in which the mouse is the protagonist. You. However, we we are discussing. Oh, oh, I stabbed myself with a pen. (laughs) (laughs) However, we are discussing these movies through the lens of animal protagonists. And I do think undeniably, you know, SpongeBob is an animal (laughs) protagonist, you know? Okay. All right. All right. Even even undeniably. 
Sorry, yeah. excuse me. Given given the benefit of the doubt, give me the benefit of the doubt here. Act, us actually comparing, say the mouse is the protagonist. Yeah, which I've I've lended you. I've lended you. I'm here for it. Alex is ready to vote. <laughs> Alex is ready to get out of here. Uh, and I'm ready. Hang up I'm the ready. Boots. <laughs> He's ready to vote for mouse. That's so kind of you to want to vote mouse already. But I want to talk more about it. SpongeBob as a protagonist for the SpongeBob movie. Like he has, he has a fun arc, I guess, you know, it's like, you know, be it, be a kid. It's okay of being who you are, but he's also kind of obnoxious, like in a very, like, there's not really an arc, just stuff happens to SpongeBob and that like, well, what is the mouse's arc? (laughs) 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 I I am here for you. I I am here for you. The mouse's arc is how its home got invaded. And so the mouse retaliated and the tome got destroyed. And then still, how does the mouse's perspective ever change except for the sudden twist at the end where the mouse is the helper? Hold on. The mouse is exactly <laughs> the same through literally, the entire movie until the mouse literally got <laughs> sent away and then came back and then did all this stuff and then still had the decency still had the 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 genuine like i will forgive you offering forgiveness to people who don't deserve it to be like i will help you in your dream for this to be a story about how string cheese was invented spoilers yeah (laughs) but that is beautiful for the mouse to forgive these people they both forgive each other forgiveness is the most beautiful thing anyone can give someone Who's truly hurt you? Spoilers for Gore Verbinski's Gesamtkunstwerk. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I just wanted to say Gesamtkunstwerk. So, to, um, but uh, okay. He's got In all fairness, um, to your point about whether or not, like SpongeBob not having an arc, I think that in part is because it's pulled from a TV show, uh, essentially a kids sitcom where the characters are never supposed to change. Right. And this was supposed to be the final. This was supposed to be the last thing in the SpongeBob fiction before Nickelodeon liked the movie so much they wanted to keep making SpongeBob. true. But yeah. Yeah. This was originally going to be the end of SpongeBob. Which is why they never bring up the whole like manager thing again because he became the manager at the end. Yeah. Oh, that was supposed to be a little cap off. Which I also love the final joke of SpongeBob is him saying that Squidward's uh, fly is down. (laughs) Peak. So good. Something in SpongeBob that I think is really done, and this isn't necessarily to point out the arc, but in the writing of the movie, because it pulls so much from the TV show and it obviously has references to the TV show, it highlights characters, even the like my leg, like those background characters are given like a small moment in the sun. It also does a really fantastic job of in a supernatural way incorporating like goofy goober so that way you see it like four times sporadically throughout the movie and really like small natural moments so that way by the end of the movie with the uh, goofy goober like rock song it is like this celebration of spongebob in like a really epic way that you never should have gotten from a like movie from a tv show that never talks about goofy goobers beforehand i think it's it's done super well something i think is interesting and i want to address regarding these two movies one we got it. We got to get we have to get the setup. SpongeBob mentions at the beginning of the film um, that he is one employee of the month. What? Three hundred and seventy something times. Three hundred seventy four. How old is SpongeBob? That's like thirty one years. Is he in his 40s? No, is he, they, middle they, age? he has um a driver's license where they reveal his birthday. I don't know um where well, it's like, at. Just based on the, the movie, three hundred and seventy four months. That's at least thirty one years. 
give me that SpongeBob is middle aged, and I think we find something very interesting about these two movies in comparison. <laughs> they are both about men coming into their middle age and how they react Whoa. to that experience in like very different ways, and like how they learn and grow from it. You know, and like at the end, like SpongeBob becomes manager of the Krusty Krab, and <laughs> the mouse. <laughs> well. I'm talking about the the human leads in this case, the middle aged human leads. They, Fuck. I will say that mouse, the mouse also has to be middle aged because of all the work it's done in the house. It has to have lived somewhat of a life to have. I think I actually think so the mouse is immortal. So That's my fan theory. Let's, the mouse is an immortal. It, then <laughs> mouse is middle aged. The people are middle aged. SpongeBob's middle aged. SpongeBob becomes manager. They embrace their father's string factory, make string cheese. You know, like these are movies about middle life crises. Yeah. And Mouse Hunt does it better. That's huh. crazy that you say that and bring that up. <laughs> well, I'm ready to vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one one um, last thing that I <laughs> want <laughs> to address. One, is Paddy Wagon? <laughs> is that that's a, a reference to Kill Bill? Is it? That's okay. I wrote that yeah. down. I was like, no shit. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I rad. mean, it's also Paddy Wagon is, is a reference yeah. to like the cops and like, you know, Paddy Wagon. You, uh, someone yeah, I guess it's not then. But I'd like to believe um, someone Hillenberg has a foot fetish as well. Uh, Does he? Remember the giant boot. <laughs> um, yeah. OK, uh, guys. And and Patrick in his in his fishnet stockings. Dude, so We're good. On a baby hunt. Uh, no bubble blowing babies. No. <laughs> uh, That's <right>. really funny. <laughs> so here's the uh. thing. Here's the thing. Before, I'm gonna turn you into men. Makes me think of it. Here's the thing. Before before we vote and the wrong movie gets booted out, I just want to take this moment to say, Gore Verbinski, I love you. I fought for you. I think this movie may have its issues, but I think you as a filmmaker are spectacular, and this is directly me shooting my shot during a podcast. Please come on the show. This is no ill will against you. I don't know what they're going to vote, but no matter what, I'm saying it right now, I'm voting Mouse Hunt. Thank you, and uh, let's vote. All right, Jake voted Mouse Hunt. I think I am very clearly in the camp. I'm voting the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Matt, it all comes down to you. Be on the right side of history. I am voting for the SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> movie. Despite all, despite all reason and sense, Despite what Gore Verbinski <laughs> would want, SpongeBob didn't get its chance to get discussed. And like, I've got to give it to the one with the animals, you know? There's a fucking mouse in the poster. I want to say, I do, I want to say, I did truly enjoy watching Mouse Hunt. I think it has some really funny, incredible moments. Uh, all my respect to Gore Verbinski. It's just, the mouse isn't the protagonist. It's, it's spectacular. <laughs> you, sh you should, everyone should watch it. And maybe one day uh, we'll uh, live stream ourselves <laughs> while watching it and making jokes to it. And you can, you can come hang out with us while we do I it. I'm actually crying. I can't do it. I love you, Gordon. Right. I love you, Mouse Hunt. Uh, I tried my best. With that, coming at you next week. Take it away, Alex. Next Monday. We're on a weekly schedule, folks. Next Monday, we will be releasing episode six, episode two of the Animal Protagonist Bracket, or I should say episode six, part two of the Animal Protagonist Bracket. And in that one, you'll be seeing Life of Pi, released in 2012, directed by Ang Lee, going up against Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 1988, directed by Robert Zemeckis. 
and you'll see Adventures of Milo and Otis, directed by Masanori Hada, uh, released in the U.S. in 1989, going up against Fantastic Mr. Fox, Wes Anderson, 2009. I think those are going to be really fun. It, it should be a fantastic set of matchups. Um, as always, follow us on all the socials at Tough Cut Pod. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it if you want to. Only one, though, and you have to make it seem like a secret. <laughs> uh, make sure. Also, we want to talk to you. We're going to be releasing these <laughs> weekly instead of what we did for Sequel Showdown. So we want to hear about what you think should have won uh, Mouse Hunt or, you know, what you're excited about for the potential next week bracket. <laughs> we love talking with you guys. This is a fantastic way to... Um, talk with everyone about their preference of movies and fight fight about it. So yeah, we want to hear from you. Follow us on socials. <laughs> much love. I'm excited. We we really can't express enough how much we appreciate you guys listening to this podcast, um, especially if you're listening to episode five, because not part of the initial release. Um, we're just we're very grateful that you guys are giving yeah, it a chance. Fantastic and we hope you response stick with it. to the, the first four episodes. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you in the next one. Yeah. Well, we won't see them. Justice for Gore Verbinski. Thanks, you guys. Love you. (laughs) 